I'm not saying he shouldn't act. I'm saying he shouldn't act unilaterally. What are we talking about here then? Must there be a Superman? There is. Hello there, and welcome to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews. With your two hosts, one man who takes Halloween almost as seriously as Bruce Wayne, it's Brad Roll. And the man who's with me, he may not be the last son of Krypton, but he is the last son of Emo, it's JT. <laughs> Hello everyone. Oh my god, Emo, that's a blast from the past, Brad Roll. I do, still have, <laughs> I do still have the fringe though, although not quite as dramatic as it was a few years back. Yeah, hello everyone. Um, interesting one this week, Brad Roll, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a follow-up to uh, Man of Steel, which we did last week. Um, and it's another movie that is a little bit um, dis- divisive. Again, like the, there's like a mix of people. Some people love it, some people hate it. Where we find, well, where we find ourselves, we'll talk about in a minute. I'm really interested to see where you're going to land on this one, considering it's about a three-hour movie, because we did watch the director's cut. It is, of course, Batman versus Superman. Which had a budget of once again wiki 250 to 300 million but what's 50 million between friends and it came out of a box office of 873.6 so despite again being another kind of marmite movie it still made uh, plenty of buck at the uh, cinema there jt yeah it did didn't it? i saw that 250 to 300 i guess is a, a better figure than last week when it was something like up to 258 which is a very random figure um i guess DC was still pulling them in at that point. This was kind of another one, I guess, where people were giving it another chance after last week's, which was, again, a, a, device, a deci- divisive, I can't say, film. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd only heard negative things about this. You know, old comic book, my mate, he's a massive DC fan. Um, he fucking hated this. But then he hates all the DC movies, where he's so into the comics, he's pretty much hated every DC movie ever, I think. Um, and I'd seen a few people on Twitter and that, just slagging it off so i mean it was never one that grabbed my attention being a superhero movie and three hours long it was never going to grab my attention at the time but we'll see if um if i did actually like it bread roll because you've been tweeting and texting me all week you're really intrigued by this one aren't you i am yeah because again i know this movie is not in your wheelhouse whatsoever and i I'd like i said to you if we're going to do it we have to do the director's cut because the director's cut makes sense the theatrical mm. cut is a fucking Again, mess, because it was Warner Brothers interfering and farting about and doing all that stuff. Um, just looking ahead at, um, obviously, the movie itself. I mean, once again, it pulls in a massive cast. I mean, most of, obviously, the survivors of Man of Steel all return. You've got, obviously, Henry Cavill as Superman, Amy Adams, Lawrence Fishburne. But we also get introduced to, obviously, uh, Ben Affleck, who plays Batman. And uh, then we also get, um, what's his name? I can't ever say his name properly, but the guy who plays Lex Luthor, is it like Jesse Eisenberg or something like Jesse that? Jesse Eisenberg. Yes, indeed. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He looks about 12 in this film. I don't know how old he is, but he looks well young in this. And I always had Lex Luthor as being a lot older. I don't know. Just uh, when I, when I first saw him on screen, I thought it was Lex Luthor's uh, son or something. Till I realised that actually was him. Yeah, it was odd casting. Um, I'm not a big fan of Jesse Eisenberg. I've seen him in a couple of bits. Um, but yeah, the whole way they did Lex Luthor in this really spun me out because he's, again, like you say, I always imagine being older, obviously having a bald head to start with, mm, um, and being yeah. a very kind of cold, very calculated character. And in this, he's like a step away from being Jim Carrey's Riddler from years ago. But um, we also get good old Jeremy Irons uh, is playing Alfred in this one, and I quite like him in this. Yeah, yeah, he's good in this, isn't he? It's interesting you said that about Jesse Eisenberg and the Riddler. Yeah, he came across like that to me. A cross between the Riddler and almost like a, a shit hammy Joker as well, wasn't he, in places? Yeah, yeah, it was really strange. I mean, I know, again, probably, as you mentioned, like, you make comic book 
Um, and a lot of people didn't like this movie or these this whole series because of how dark and the way they portrayed some of the characters. Like Superman is much more serious and aggressive in these movies and he has been before. So maybe they switched Lex Luthor to be a bit more kind of a wild card to try and translate to normally it's Superman who's like quite happy and he's chatty and stuff. And Lex Luthor's the cold one. They swapped it around. Maybe that's what they were going for. I'm not sure. Yeah, quite possibly. So that's a good theory there, Bradwell. Yeah, that may well be the case because um, he certainly spun me out. Like I say, when I first saw him, I thought, that's not Lex Luthor. Certainly not how I know or imagine he looks anyway. Yeah. So um, let's have a look at the old uh, synopsis then. So in a flashback to his childhood, Bruce Wayne runs from his parents' funeral and falls into a bat cave where he remembers his parents' murder and his dad attempts to save them both. Before he died, his father said one last word, Martha. We cut to the present day with Bruce arriving in Metropolis where mankind has been introduced to the Superman. As the conflict between Superman and Zod rages on, Bruce races through the chaos but it's too late to help his employees at a Wayne Enterprise building as it collapses as a direct result of the Kryptonian battle. He does manage to save an employee named Wally who has been trapped by some debris before finding a young girl whose mother has just been killed. Bruce hugs the girl and looks into the sky and sees Superman for the first time. So pretty full-on opening for this movie what did you think of it yeah i thought the opening was, was quite good actually um i mean how many times now have we seen uh, bruce wayne's parents get killed in various different films i mean i haven't seen many superhero films but i'm sure i've seen his parents get killed about 100 times now yeah it's one of those things isn't it it's like i'm glad they only kind of did it as a quick kind of flashback um and emphasizing but like, the way it's shot i thought was really good it's got all the uh, negan and maggie from walking dead in there as his parents which is quite random um, I quite like the way it's shot because I like the way Schneider suits things. But you're right, it's like everyone knows how Batman became Batman. Um, at least it wasn't a long-winded, like, kind of origin type thing. But, yeah, so how many times do you have to see it? We know his parents get gunned down in an alley because even at the end of the Joker movie, we see an interpretation yeah. of it as well, don't we? We do. I mean, I'm not saying it shouldn't have been there. It's just, we've, you know, it's weird. I'm like, bloody hell, I've seen this about a million times now. But, yeah, I mean, it kind of needed to be in there and it was done well. It was only quick and it kind of set the scene, didn't it? Um, I did like the bit where, like you said last week, where obviously the fallout from the previous film is obviously in evidence. Like Metropolis is just a big steaming pile of debris, really, isn't it? Um, and the bit where he does rescue that girl and he says, where's your mum? And she points up and there's obviously the building's all falling apart. I was like, fuck me, that's that's fucking heartbreaking. Do you know what I mean? Having a kid myself, I was like, oh, that's horrible. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. And I did like the way it carried on and showed, obviously, the shit that happened last time. Yeah, it is a really good intro. And i got to say, like with most things, because as you know, I'm a big Batman fan. I have been pretty much my whole life. And it's one of those things when Ben Affleck was announced as being Batman, I was like, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll wait and see what he's all about. But he wouldn't have been probably my first choice at the time. And this opening scene, I think straight away, I'm like, fucking hell, he is awesome. Just the expression on his face, the anger, the hatred. And it's probably the most Bruce Wayne we've ever seen, because one scene I really love is when that building's collapsing. Everyone's running away, like like sane people do. And he's the only fucking lunatic running towards the danger, which is something I think really um, drives home, like what Batman's all about. Like he doesn't, even though he's only just a bloke, he's not a superhero or anything as such. He will always run towards danger and try and help people. And that look on his face when he's looking up and he's hugging the girl and he looks up and he sees Superman, there's just so much raw emotion there. And it's like, fucking hell, he's nailing this. We're only about five minutes into the film. Thought exactly the same thing, Bradwell. I've got that in, in my notes. The way, obviously, like you say, you see all the people running out and he just runs into it. I'm like, fucking hell, you're a madman. But, you know, <laughs> he is Batman, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, 18 months later, 
divers in the Indian Ocean find a mysterious green crystal among the wreck of the world engine. In Naromi, Africa, I hope I said that right, Lois Lane is conducting an interview with a warlord, uh, which is sabotaged by mercenaries, resulting in Lois Lane being taken hostage. The US military have no choice but to launch a drone strike on the base, but Superman, who has now become a controversial figure, arrives to save Lois. The mercenaries kill and burn all the local villagers, leaving many to believe they died at the hands of the Superman. Meanwhile, in Gotham City, police respond to an emergency where the, they encounter a people, people trafficking operation, when I can talk. The victims are scared, but not of the criminals, telling the police it is still here. The GCPD encounter the Batman on the scene and find that he has branded the criminals. Now, I've got to tell you one thing I fucking love is this introduction of Superman in this movie. Obviously, we've seen this kind of flashback bit. But this bit where he kind of just drops through the ceiling to save Lois Lane, it's that one time where the expression on his face, the way he's stood, it's just like, this is a Superman that is just fucking scary, in my opinion. Like, he's genuinely quite intimidating, where normally he's always kind of like smiling, jokey. That's probably what people don't like, but I just like how intense he is. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mind that at all. I thought that was quite cool. Obviously, Lois Lane was always going to get kidnapped um, or whatever, or captured. Um, she didn't get kidnapped, she was already there. But you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's, it's quite cool. Um, I, I didn't actually mind him in this. He didn't remind me of Andy Murray, actually, like I did last <laughs> week. I don't know why that happened. But um, yeah, the, the Murrayness had gone this week. So yeah, it was, um, it was a lot better for me in that respect. That's it. No Murray man on the loose, which is good. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I did like the fact that we get this introduction of Batman. And one thing I really like that they do here is because one thing that kind of bugs me with some of the other movies, especially as they run on, is like the familiarity they have with him as a kind of protector of their city. Whereas in this, like, even though he's been on the job for 20 years, he's much older, more grizzled, and obviously we'll touch on the fact that he has just pretty much lost the plot a little bit um, at this stage of his career. It's towards the end of his career, but he's still kind of um, like an entity, like the mythos is, mythos is there, but they're not like, oh, you know, thanks for saving the day, Batman, or, oh, it's Batman, he's come to save us. He's still, like, in the shadows. People are still scared of him, and I quite like that they kept that in. Yeah, I quite like that as well. That scene where you first kind of see him properly when he's with the traffickers and that, it's quite fucking sinister. And he's up on the wall behind that guy who's chained to the radiator and he's like the bat or whatever. He's up there and it's like, fuck. I was like, what's going on here? Because the coppers, it just cuts that scene and they just go into that building, don't they? And all the people are in that like cage or whatever. And then Batman's up on the wall, just fucking looking really scary and evil above this dude on chained to a radiator. I'm like, okay, that's that's random, but quite cool. Yeah, and we also get the first look at, um, obviously, the Bat brand, which is new for this movie as well, which I think is pretty badass. That kind of knuckle duster where he, like, brands them, which is, plays into part of the story. But it's like, like now he's actually losing the plot because, obviously, normally, as we know, Batman doesn't really kill people, although I'm sure a few people must have died from, like, internal bleeding with the amount he beats the shit out of them. <laughs> but just strictly speaking, he's supposed to be kind of a controlled character, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that old um, Bat brand. I was like, what's all that about then? But, yeah, obviously, it comes into play a lot later on. Um, I did think it was quite cool as well, where we'd seen the TVs in the background. Metropolis are playing Gotham City, like uh, American football. I thought that was just a cool little thing. Yeah, it is a cool um, like little touches here. And this is actually quite strange because I don't, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I mean, there's so many comics and different versions and whatnot. But I always imagined like Gotham City was more of kind of an East Coast thing, like New York, Chicago. Whereas Metropolis would be kind of a like a West Coast thing, like LA or something. But they actually have them as sister cities in this movie, like they're across the harbour from each other. Which again, I think works really well. But I always just imagined it was kind of that way. You know, they're on the upper opposite ends of like uh, the Americas. Don't know about you. 
Um, I don't know. Definitely Gotham City's got that New York vibe, the sort of darker side of New York. Metropolis, yeah, I guess it could. It's just, it's kind of like any old city, isn't it? Big city in America. But it always seems to be a bit sunnier than Gotham, which would make you think more West Coast. So, so yeah, I kind of get that. But it's quite cool, like you say, the way they are just literally across the water from each other, like sister cities. That's really good. I like that. So in the Batcave, Alfred is questioning Bruce's increasingly brutal methods that are being reported in the paper. Bruce, however, is too busy searching for the white Portuguese, which he tells Alfred is a dirty bomb heading to Gotham. Lex Luthor reveals kryptonite to the US Senate and explains he tested it on Zod's body and found it can be used against them as a weapon or a deterrent. The senator makes the argument that at this time, the Superman is considered to be an ally of humanity. Wally visits the Metropolis Memorial, where he sprays graffiti on Superman's statue, which says, False God. This is kind of a short scene, but I thought we'd sort of stop here just because obviously this is the introduction to Lex Luthor. And again, he's just, like you say, he looks like he's about 10 years old at his high school basketball team, doesn't he? Just sort of pissing about. Yeah, no, that again was quite random. As I said at the start, I was just a bit confused as to, is that actually Lex Luthor? Because you see, obviously, the Luthor building or whatever, and they go in there, and I'm like, right, they're playing basketball. Hmm, a little bit confused now. Maybe I took my eye off the ball a little bit there, no pun intended. Um, but obviously, he is Lex Luthor, and I'm still not entirely sure about him, but obviously we'll get to that a bit later on. Um, there's, there's a scene as well around this point where old uh, Lois is in the bath, and Superman comes in, always Clark Kent, and he comes in, and the way they film that is so strategic, isn't it? The camera angles and everything, you see just a little bit, and then the water goes up, and I'm like, fucking hell, that must have taken a while to get that right. You don't actually obviously see any nudity at all. Not that I was angling for it. And then he just gets in the fucking bath fully clothed anyway and starts giving her one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually quite like that bath that she's got. It's really, it looks really nice and really relaxing. But you're right, there's a bit, because um, this is obviously the director's cut, which I don't know if I've seen this full version like properly once before. Um, But yeah, she kind of, there's a bit where she kind of sits up in the bath and I was like, fuck no, I thought like the bloody tits were going to be out or something for a minute. Again, I wasn't, <laughs> but like you say, it's very strategic the way they do it. And then he obviously hops in and like you say, he gives you a bit of, you know, how was your Krypton and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> we also, um, in this sort of area as well, like, cause this movie, it doesn't jump around like Man of Steel does, but obviously it does cover a lot of ground at speed. We also see like, Clark and Lois at work and it's like Perry White old Lawrence Fishburne's talking about headlines and almost seems like the Daily Planet might be turning on Superman a bit and then we see Clark begin his investigation into the Batman um, and he heads to Gotham at one point doesn't he and like an old man sort of says it's a new kind of mean in him and that kind of starts his sort of investigation towards Batman as they are sort of living so close to each other Yeah they send him off to, to Gotham to cover a football match obviously he doesn't he goes off looking for Batman and starts deviating away and one thing as well he get, he goes missing at some point around this time and like Superman's obviously gone missing as well and they don't put two and two together I mean fuck me we said last week it's so, so, so obvious that he is Superman but there we go Yeah it's just like <laughs> So um after learning of the Batman's form of justice Clark Kent seeks to expose him via Daily Planet articles Wayne learns the Russian weapon trafficker has been contacting Lex Luthor. In a dream, he visits his mother's grave where he is attacked by a giant bat. Lois discovers a bullet from the Africa incident and heads to DC to investigate its origin. Both Clark and Bruce receive mysterious invites to a charity gala hosted by Lex Luthor. During the event, Bruce plants a bug to download secret files, which in turn are stolen by a mysterious woman. Clark overhears Bruce's earpiece and begins to question him regarding the Batman. When they, um, 
we then get a sequence of the Senate debate that um, presents Superman as we see him doing various things, saving people and going back and forth, and they're sort of debating should there be a Superman. But then we kind of see this is probably like the first time since Man of Steel because if they become Superman, he fights Zod in that. So this is probably the first time we actually get a sequence of him actually doing saving, like he stops a rocket, doesn't he? And he's like dragging that ship across the ice and that bit in the Day of the Dead festival when he saves those people in Mexico. I think that shot amazingly when he sort of stands up and they're all reaching out to try and touch him like a savior. There's a lot of symbolism in this movie, but there's some really good uh, shots there. Yeah. Yeah. I quite like that little montage. That was quite cool actually. Um, but when um, old Bruce Wayne did that thing with Lex Luthor and he sort of goes sneaking off to plant the, uh, the little tracking or bug, whatever it is, no one really bats an eyelid. He's walking around and he walks past loads of waiters and like kitchen staff and everything. They're just like, all right, fair enough. And then, obviously, when he gets spotted, he just went, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for the bathroom. I thought it was in here. It's like, really? It's a room full of fucking servers and computer <laughs> shit. You're not going to take a piss in there, are you? Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a bit strange as well. Um, a bit as well, when he wakes up from that dream, um, I like his little house he's got down by the lake, because obviously, for reasons unknown at this point, Wayne Man is pretty much destroyed. And the first thing he does when he wakes up is he necks some tablets, and then he has a go on the old red wine, doesn't he? So he's living the dream right there. <laughs> I've actually got that in my notes spread role. Yeah, good man. Um, yeah, probably not good for him, his, his health, but, you know, whatever works for you, I guess. I love um, Alfred as well, because he's so, like, I don't know, like, sarcastic in this. He comes in and, like, picks up an empty bottle and he goes, oh, I hope the next generation of Wayne isn't going to inherit an empty wine cellar. Not that there's going to be a next generation in that. And it's just, like, random little lines that he throws at him. Yeah, he's very good in this. He's very dry. And um, he's always kind of... Um sort of mugging uh, Bruce Wayne off a little bit, isn't he? He does, yeah. And I think this is the first time in any of the movies I've seen Bruce Wayne actually make Alfred a coffee because he puts one down in front of him, doesn't he? It's like, hang on, I thought he was supposed to be your butler. Yeah, that's right, actually. I didn't think of that. Yeah, God. <laughs> How the tables have turned, eh? <laughs> one thing I did like here as well, and it's a good reference to the comic books, um, and also the Suicide Squad follows this. Obviously, we did them slightly backwards is we see Robin's suit with the spray paint on it. It's a Joker, isn't he? He's like, um, joke's on you, Batman, which is a reference to when Joker kills Robin, basically beats him to death with a crowbar. And just the way he's looking at it, like you're kind of seeing this bigger picture of a wider universe that never quite materialised into like what it probably should have been. But I did like the fact that they threw that in there. Yeah, I've actually got that in my notes somewhere. I, I can't find it. I'm looking for it now, but I know I definitely made a note of that. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, and of course, the mysterious woman turns out to be older... Diana Prince, who we'll touch on in a few minutes. Yeah, obviously I knew she was in it, so um, I was like looking out for her. So it wasn't a shock because I, unfortunately, I hadn't read the plot, but I'd read the cast, so I knew she was going to make an appearance. Just as how and when, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Clark discovers the meaning of the Bat brand, and that any criminal marked are considered the worst of the worst and get murdered in prison. He talks to the widow of a recently brand branded and killed inmate who tells him no one stops the Batman. Lex comes to Wally's house and gives him a new wheelchair and some money. And then Wally heads to the senator and says that Superman must be held accountable for his actions as he's lost his legs as a result of the Metropolis incident. After tracking down Diana at a museum showcase, Bruce retrieves his drive from her. While decrypting the drive, Bruce dreams of a post-apocalyptic world where he, he leads a rebel group against an evil Superman. He is awakened by an unidentified person appearing through a portal who tells him Lois Lane is the key and urges him to find the others before vanishing. He tells Alfred that he plans to steal the wep and weaponize the kryptonite, if necessary, to fight Superman, despite Alfred saying Superman is not an enemy. 
Bruce attacks a convoy transporting the kryptonite, but encounters Superman, who warns him to stop being Batman. So a fair few bits here, and this um is pretty strange. Obviously, we meet um, Bruce goes and meets Diana Prince, who obviously is Wonder Woman, as we find out a bit later on with a cool name, bit of Prince. Um, <laughs> and then we kind of see the build up to obviously Lex pulling the strings, but I really do like the um the nightmare sequence of the evil Superman and. That obviously again becomes a bigger part later on in the Justice League movie, as um, without spoiling it for anyone. But I really like that scene. What did you think of it? Because I imagine it probably just came out of left field for you watching this. Yeah, I've literally got in my notes everything has gone a bit Mad Max now. Um, <laughs> it, it just reminded me of Mad Max. It was cool though. Don't get me wrong, but it's another bit that was just sort of thrown in there. And until obviously he wakes up, I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? I kind of clocked that it was going to be a dream, but it just kind of it's just thrown at you a little bit, isn't it? It is, yeah, because like, there's no warning, is there? Like, Pugs are driving, yeah. sits down, and then next thing you know, like you say, he's in the future, and fucking we're expecting Mel Gibson to turn up in a dodgy car or something. Yeah, I mean, he, he goes pretty mad, doesn't he? And he kills loads of dudes. There's some flying bug things going on, Starship Troopers style, although they're not quite as bad as the bugs in Starship Troopers. But yeah, it's a really fucking weird scene. And uh, yeah, like I say, I did sort of think, oh, this has got to be some kind of dream, because otherwise this film's gone completely fucking haywire for no apparent reason. So yeah, it's good though. I did like it. Yeah, those fine things remind me of the um the locust from Gears of War. If you remember them, um, oh, yeah. that goggles and shit going on. But it is a really cool sequence, and it does again in the Justice League. It kind of carries on a little bit about a potential thing that will happen, and then obviously we get the Flash appearing in his portal, coming back to warn Bruce, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm too early, or I'm too late," and then he just fucks off again. Yeah. So this, this is the bit where um the Batmobile first makes an appearance, isn't it? When um he ends up having a crazy fucking chase when his uh the white Portuguese or whatever it's called is getting unloaded. And um there's it's this amazing bit. There's one bit where he's like they're they're in a truck, the guys who've unloaded the white Portuguese and they've got the kryptonite kryptonite, whatever it is in there, and the Batmobile's above them and it jumps over the top of the truck, takes the roof off, and the two guys are just stood there, but somehow it doesn't seem to affect them at all. They just sort of carry on. I'm like, fuck me, that was pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah. I, I... I don't know, like, again, because it's all CGI. I don't know if they were supposed to react to it or not. But like you say, he takes the top of it off. It looks amazing. But they're just like, yeah, it's all right. Not worried at all. <laughs> Fucking lunatic in the Batmobile chasing us. It is a really cool chase sequence. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. It's very dark, so you don't ever see it. But I'm not sure I like the design of the Batmobile in this one. It just doesn't look like anything, really. I'm not sure, like, what kind of design they were going for. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like you say, you don't really get a clear view of it. It's it's okay though. It's dark, and the chase scene's pretty cool. I like it. Um, there's like a gun comes out of the back of one of the bad guys' pickups, and it starts just firing at the Batmobile, and obviously it's bulletproof and whatever, and nothing really happens. And this big fucking gun comes out of the Batmobile and just fucks up the the pickup, just blows it up. I thought that was cool. I mean, the chase is is pretty smart, and obviously at the end of it, he pretty much crashes into Superman, doesn't he? Yeah, I do like that. Like you've had this really intense chase and. Again, just emphasising how strong Superman is. Batman comes around the corner at like fucking 100 miles an hour and just like bounces off his legs and it sends the car <laughs> like fucking flying off somewhere. And old Superman obviously rips the roof off. And I do like that scene. It's pretty, just again, the way it's shot when they both stand up and they're like literally inches from each other, but they're both just like not giving anything up at this point. Yeah, it's cool. This is, um, so I watched this film in two parts um, the same night, um, but I did stop it. And this is where I stopped it and um, had a little break and then went back to it. I thought that was a good place to kind of stop the movie. It actually probably is probably the best place to stop it, as you say, because from now on, like the kind of building, most of the building's been done. Now it comes up to like getting towards like the big fight scenes next. 
yeah, sort of, I'm not sure if it was quite halfway, but it was getting there and I thought, right, this is time for a break. Yeah, and we do that, that classic line that I, I really like. I know some people don't like it, but like Superman warns Batman, he's like, just don't go to the light, stop doing what you're doing and consider this mercy. And then Batman's like, you know, do you bleed? You will. And sort of thing. And <laughs> Superman just looks at him and like, fuck off and flies away. Yeah, no, I quite like that. I didn't have a problem with that at all. So a widely publicised congregational hearing led by Finch is held to question Superman's actions against Zod. A bomb smuggled in by Luther detonates, killing everyone present except Superman. Superman blames himself for not detecting it in time and self-imposes exile. Elsewhere, Batman breaks into LexCorp and steals a kryptonite. He builds a powered exoskeleton, a kryptonite grenade launcher and a kryptonite-tipped spear. Meanwhile, Luther enters a Kryptonian ship and accesses his vast database of technology and begins experimenting with Zod's body. A fair few other things kind of happen in this sequence. We also see Lois going off to DC. Um, she takes the bullet to the old general from the first movie and says, you know, it doesn't show up in any kind of like history of military. It could be black market. And Superman visits his mum, Martha, and she sort of tells him that he doesn't owe the world anything. He's kind of, after the bomb goes off, he's now in a sort of situation where he's like, should I be Superman or should I just stop? You know, what am I actually doing? Yeah, that bit with the bomb goes off is quite cool, isn't it? Because obviously Lex Luthor's got his name on the chair and he doesn't appear and it's just the, the empty chair and then the whole place just fucking goes up. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And I like, because earlier on the senator visits Lex and um, she mentions like a line, doesn't she? She's like, oh, you can like piss in a jar and call it Granny's Peach Tea and I won't believe it. And then he's got that jar of piss on her desk, and he that says Granny's yeah. Peach Tea. I thought that yeah, was pretty cool. good, kind of like bringing it around. Yeah, no, that was cool. Um, at this point as well, that's when... um the old Russian guy, he kills that woman, just pushes her in front of a subway train, doesn't he? Which is a bit harsh. It does, yeah, because you start to see like how all the pieces have come together, how Lex has been manipulating people and like getting them to sort of say that they blame Superman. Obviously, he set up the attack in Africa and all that sort of stuff. I mean, now they're sort of like covering his tracks, isn't he? Killing all these innocent people and you realise that it really is him pulling the strings. And it all starts to come together pretty well here when you're watching it. But in the um, theatrical version, all this kind of, all these parts that linked all this like the plot together weren't in it which is fucking stupid because you're watching the movie and it's like so why are these two fighting each other I have no idea what's going on but all those sort of bits in the extended version actually do make it flow pretty well I think anyway yeah that wouldn't have made sense at all I mean you can just about work out what's going on in this version so I'd have had no hope with the other one (laughs) Um, when when Superman buggers off as well after the place is blown up and he's like fuck this I'm off he kind of looks at Lois, or Lois looks at him over like the barricade where all the bodies are being carried out and the medics are doing their stuff. And the sort of look they give each other, she sort of looks at him and he just looks at her and goes, nah, and just fucks off, doesn't he? It's like, nah, man, see you later. <laughs> he does, yeah. And like, she's just, I don't know, it's just weird, isn't it? The way he just looks at her and then he's like, oh, well. And then he kind of, he doesn't even like fly off at speed. He just slowly just kind of flies yeah, up in the air, does. like, oh, I can't be fucked with this anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's no like super warp speed. He just sort of, floats it's quite funny we do also one bit i do really like um just to get to see a bit of good old kevin cosner again where's where um clark he kind of walks off into like the canadian mountains i suppose it is or whatever's nearest um and he kind of it's not a dream sequence i suppose he's remembering a lesson that his dad taught him once because usually the way he sort of always talks to his dad when he's in trouble or when he can't figure out what to do and his dad tells him a story that basically relates to like noble actions can sometimes have unforeseen consequences so it's like even if you try and help people there's always going to be people who hate you or want to exploit you and that's kind of like the message he was teaching growing up i quite like that scene 
Yeah, it's quite a long speech he gives him as well, isn't it? I mean, it's his only part in the film, but it certainly makes the most of it. Yeah, definitely. And then we also get a glimpse um, of old uh, Bruce Wayne. He finds the metahuman stuff on the flash drive. So we get a glimpse of Flash, Aquaman and Cyborg. And then the picture of old Diana Prince back in World War One. So that's obviously setting up what will become the Justice League eventually. Yeah, I actually thought that was quite cool. So me saying I don't really like superheroes, when I saw Flash and Aquaman, I was like, oh, I recognise those two. Fuck me, I know something. <laughs> did you um? Did you notice in the video with um Cyborg? Do you notice who the guy was? The um, like the the scientist guy that we were watching. It's old Dyson no. from Terminator Two. Oh fuck me, is it? <laughs> no, I didn't yeah. notice that. Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully, it won't take like a year to die this time with his little detonator. But yeah, that was old Miles Dyson <laughs> making an appearance. <laughs> oh, no, no, I didn't clock that at all. Yeah, good spot. Just one more thing before we move on. I've always found it strange, especially in the movies, because. Bruce Wayne plays like a tosser when he's Bruce Wayne, obviously, to throw people off the scent. And he's always out and about drinking and doing that stuff. And then by night, he's Batman. But he's always in tip-top condition. At least in this one, we actually see him training for a fight. Like, Ben Affleck's fucking massive in this movie. Obviously, he looks like a fucking bear. He's all grizzled and muscly and stuff. But <laughs> we actually see him doing some proper training for a fight. I mean, granted, he's fighting Superman. It's not just your average thug. But it's good to see Bruce Wayne actually working out. Because normally, he just always seems to be in, like, immaculate condition despite the fact that he like never takes a time off yeah that's right i've got on my notes actually that the workout he does is fucking mad as well he's pulling some crazy weights around isn't he and tires and going fucking nuts so yeah fair play so now luther lures superman out of exile by kidnapping lois and martha kent he pushes lois off of lexcourt uh the building and superman saves her and confronts luther who reveals he manipulated him and batman by, by fueling their distrust Luther demands he kill Batman in exchange for Martha's life. Superman speaks to Lois and tells her um, what he has to do, stating no one stays good in this world. Superman tries to ask Batman for help, but Batman attacks him and eventually subdues him using the kryptonite gas. As Batman prepares to move in for the killing blow with the spear, Superman pleads with him to save Martha. Batman hesitates in confusion long enough for Lois to arrive and explain what Superman meant. Coming to his senses about how far he has fallen from grace, he discards the spear and promises to rescue Martha. He heads to a warehouse where she's being held and takes down the thugs holding her. Superman regains his strength and confronts Luther in the Kryptonian ship. So what did you think about, um, obviously the little build-up's good and you kind of find out that Luther's been pulling the strings and stuff and we see that Superman has a weakness for the ones that he cares about. But what did you think about the whole fight between Batman and Superman? I thought it was good. I enjoyed it, yeah. I, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I liked to hold... Um... Batman when he took out all those guys and then rescued Martha. I thought that was quite cool. And um, he said something about being a, a friend of Superman. He said, yeah, I kind of gathered that because of the cape or something. Then she thought that was quite a good line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a good line, actually. And I, I do like the fight. I think they balanced it quite well because it's one of those things, isn't it? So how does a guy who's basically a god, you know, is under? how is he ever going to be under threat from a guy who takes Halloween too seriously? But they actually do a pretty good job that Bat Superman obviously doesn't want to kill Batman. He's even trying to get him to help. I do like the way when he walks up to him and he like literally just touches him but sends him flying about like 30 feet backwards. I thought that was good to emphasise his strength again. Yeah, I mean, Batman gets fucking leathered for quite a while, but then once Superman's weakened, he does sort of knock him about a bit as well. So it's quite well balanced the way they did it because obviously in a real fight, a real fight, they're not real people, but Superman would just fucking kill him, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have to do a lot. Poor old Batman wouldn't stand a chance. 
Yeah, one thing, and I know you've always got to like kind of suspend reality a bit with these movies, but obviously Batman's built himself like a big armored suit and stuff. And at first, like Superman's just like pushing him and throwing him around. He's not doing a lot. He's just trying to warn him, which is fair enough. Then he picks him up and he like flies him through like a brick wall up onto a roof and then throws him about 40 foot down onto it. I don't care how many shock absorbers he had in that suit. He'd probably be fucking dead with that happening to him. But obviously he gets back up and shoots Superman. But I'm like, dude, <laughs> at this stage, you would have been fucking dead by now. But obviously they carry on fighting for about another 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, obviously it's far-fetched, isn't it? But yeah, I know what you mean. But um, he, he does all right, old Batman, though, doesn't he? He certainly uh, gets his own back. He does, yeah. And I think it's not the best way to do things, but the whole Martha thing linking back to like Batman at this stage is like so broken and he's got PTSD. Although I think it could have been shot better. I like the way it kind of snaps him back and he realizes that Superman is doing exactly what his dad tried to do and save his mum, basically, or save Martha in this case. And the reaction and the expression on Ben Affleck's face, I think is really good because you can see he's like, he's almost panicking. Like he doesn't understand and he just like goes into like a complete, not a meltdown, but he just kind of like snaps him out of whatever kind of rage he's in. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And obviously, just going back a little bit, old Lois Lane obviously falls again and gets saved by Superman. She likes doing that. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like we said last week, it's not Superman if Lois Lane doesn't fall off a tall building and get caught. I do like the way he appears underneath her, though, and kind of like matches her speed and then sort of gently kind of just brings her down to Earth, so to speak. Like, the way this is shot, there's so many great visuals, in my opinion. Like, I love the way, like, when Batman calls is calling to fight Superman and he appears in the signal when he's like landing, his eyes are glowing red and stuff. It is quite a menacing movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, the minute she's fell off that thing, I was like, oh, not again, Lois. Sort it out, love. <laughs> yeah, it should have, I've done a tally of how many times he saved her so far. It's got to be three <laughs> or four, and we're not only about halfway through the movie. <laughs> yeah. So now Luther executes his backup plan, unleashing a monster genetically engineered from DNA from both Zod's body and his own. The creature, known as Doomsday, feeds on energy. Superman attempts to fly into space where the military launch a nuclear missile. Doomsday falls to Earth but has miraculously survived and begun to mutate. Meanwhile, Superman is assumed dead. Batman attempts to get Doomsday to chase him back to the Gotham docks where he left a kryptonite spear. Doomsday shoots Batman down and is about to kill him when Diana arrives and blocks the blast. Superman regenerates and heads back to Earth to join up with Batman and Wonder Woman. While rescuing Lois again... Superman retrieves the spear. Lois begs him not to do it, but Superman tells her he has to protect his world and that she is his world before fatally impaling Doomsday with the spear. In its dying moments, Doomsday kills Superman, who was weakened by the kryptonite exposure. So that, in a nutshell, is pretty much the big end fight of the uh, the movie, really. Um, Doomsday looks shit when he first jumps out. He looks like a fucking teenage turtle. I know we always get these big <laughs> CGI, CGI fights at the end. When he mutates at the end, he looks pretty badass. But when he first appears, I thought he looked fucking rubbish. Yeah, he did look a bit dodgy. Um, I still think he's a better sort of end battle than that Starfish was in The Suicide Squad. Although I did like the <laughs> film, obviously. Um, it's a bit more sort of menacing than that fucking Starfish thing. Um, yeah, it's quite, quite a cool end scene, though, isn't it? And when um, old Superman does croak it, I thought, no, nah, that can't be right. He's not going to die. But obviously, spoiler alert, he has the funeral and everything. Um, but yeah, it's a good battle. It's um, it's cool. It's obviously very CGI-driven, but Wonder Woman comes along and saves the day almost. And um, yeah, they're all getting involved, and I did quite like it. I thought they balanced it pretty well, because in these situations, you kind of realise Batman's fucking useless. Because he's got like no powers or anything, so it's like only like Wonder Woman and Superman who can really do 
anything against someone like Doomsday. Obviously, Batman shoots him in the head with a fucking kryptonite grenade launcher and comes up with the plan, which is kind of his role, really, to be a strategist in these situations. But, yeah, I didn't mind the Batman. I thought, again, visually, it's amazing. One of my favourite shots is when Superman's regenerating. Like, he's all, like, been fucking blown apart by this nuclear missile. And you start all his skin kind of forming back, and he looks quite zombified. And then he opens his eyes, and they're, like, glowing red. And it's just... I love those shots that Zack Schneider does. It really makes Superman look like fucking imposing instead of just looking like a smiley poster boy all the time. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Um, woman, Wonder Woman does quite well in this as well because she chops old um, the mutant's hand off at one point, although he sort of grows another thing back. But she gets battered. She's getting pushed around and smacked about by this thing. And I know she's Wonder Woman, but she hasn't got a scratch on her, has she? No, I mean, again, she's like similar to Superman. She's like a demigod almost. But yeah, she definitely sort of throws down to him. I do like the um the theme tune she's got as well. The music in this movie is amazing, although a little bit dramatic at times. Um, but her kind of guitar riff that she has is really good and sounds so distinct compared to the rest of the music that's been in the movie. Yeah, although she's obviously only a bit part in this film, she does play quite a big role. Um, obviously, she's got her own two films now and whatever else going on. But um, yeah, once she does sort of appear, she is she's pretty um, pivotal to the um, the end scene, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is a fairly well balanced fight. And I've got to be honest, I got I always get a little bit emotional um, when uh, not not just when Superman dies because the way it's done is really quite brutal. Like he just gets a fucking like giant bone through his chest. Um, mm. And again, like killing Superman is such a big event. And the first time I saw it in the cinema, I was like. Fuck me, the death of Superman is massive and you just killed him off in his second movie. So hang about. Um, I, was like, I can't believe they're going down this road. But that bit where he's with Lois and he like says to her, you know, I need to protect my world and that you are my world and stuff. I'm like, man, quite emotional, really. You know, just nice, not the sort of place you'd expect to find like a good bit of like love dialogue in a movie like this. But I think they did it pretty well, the way they obviously care about each other. Yeah, no, it was good. And yeah, I was um, shocked. Obviously, I didn't know the plot. I didn't know he was going to die. And I was like, fuck me, no. That's um, that's pretty harsh. So following Luther's arrest, Batman confronts him in prison, warning him that he will always be watching. Luther gloats that Superman's death has made the world vulnerable to powerful alien threats. A memorial is held for Superman in Metropolis. Clark is also declared dead. And Wayne and Prince both um, attend his funeral in Smallville. Martha gives Lois an envelope containing an engagement ring Clark had bought for her. Bruce tells Diana that he regrets having failed Superman in life. He asks her to help him form a team of metahumans, starting with those named in Luther's files, to protect the world in Superman's absence. As they depart, the dirt atop Clark's coffin levitates. And that is pretty much the end of the movie wrapped up. And I do like the scene where Batman visits Luther in the prison. Um... And you think he's going to like, he shaves his head and obviously starts to look a bit more, more like Lix Luthor at this point. But you think he's going to batter him with that knuckle duster and he just punches the wall next to him. Yeah, I like that as well. Um, and he, he did look a little bit more menacing with his head shaves. He just looked like a weedy college kid with that long, gingery hair he's got when he was actually in the film itself. Um, he reminded me of um, old Woody House and in Natural Born Killers, although definitely not as menacing looking. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a cool show. scene because Batman's really fucking with him, isn't he? Like, just mugging him off again basically yeah and i suppose symbolically it shows that batman or bruce wayne is kind of back to his normal self now because normally like i say we've seen him branding people and just fucking doing whatever he wants and now obviously even lex luther who he hates massively he doesn't brand him he just punches the wall and walks off showing that he's kind of back in control a bit more now yeah yeah it was good um and obviously we see uh wonder woman and uh bruce or Br- Diana Prince and Bruce at uh, 
Clark Kent's funeral just sort of hiding in the background. They're sort of not visible, are they? They're sort of just chilling out in the distance, not getting involved too much. Yeah. And again, like that whole kind of, um, like we said before, no one ever puts two and two together, but you've got Perry White and he's got like, the front page, you know, Superman's dead, our saviour's gone. Then he turns the page and like, oh, we lost one of our own, Clark Kent, who was like covering the news story of the fight and everything. And no one has still yet put two and two together and being, hang on a minute. Yeah, I did think that. I was like, surely not. That's like, is that almost like being a bit of a parody or just a piss take? Because, yeah, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, Rage pointed something out as well. And I'd never really thought of this, um, but I suppose I should have done. Is obviously they have a, I assume it's just like a memorial coffin. You see, like in New York or like um, Metropolis, should I say, they're burying Superman. It's like, but obviously they bury Clark Kent. So where's the two bodies come from? Like, obviously, what do they just say that Superman's body vanished when he died or something like that? Again, there's one body and two dead people, basically. I thought exactly the same thing, actually, and I don't know why I haven't got it in my notes. I was thinking, so which coffin's got the body in? They both can't have a body in, but, yeah, I'm I'm thinking Clark, that would have had the body, and Superman, they probably would have said, he's a superhero, he's evaporated or something, wouldn't they? They'd have probably thought that, because he couldn't have been in two places at once, dead or not. Yeah, and it must be, like you say, Clark in Smallville, because we see like the bit with the dirt Jack gradually kind of like lifts off just before it kind of cuts off. But that is old uh, Batman versus Superman. Um, so the only thing left to do really is uh, give this one some scores. Now, I'm going to go first again this week, because again, I'm really intrigued as to what you're going to score this one. I have no idea where you're going to fall. So um, this movie probably won't come as a shock to anyone. I love this film. Um, I really like Man of Steel and I absolutely love this film, although I prefer it much more the extended version, which is what we watch. And I'd encourage anyone who saw the theatrical and didn't like it to rewatch it, but watch the extended version. Um, and anyone who hasn't seen it, watch the extended version, ignore the theatrical. Um, again, it's a bit like Man of Steel and the fact that I view it as a bit of a flawed masterpiece. It's a really good story, some amazing visuals. Zack Schneider through and through. It's probably the closest he's come to kind of replicating the quality of the Watchmen, in my opinion. Um, but it does still have his issues, unfortunately. The Lex Luthor thing just doesn't work for me the way they portrayed him. But some of the fighting, um, even though it's a big CGI battle at the end, it is kind of balanced and I like it. There's some amazing dialogue. Um, one thing I wish they did do, because they're playing catch up with the MCU and they just jumped straight into this, I think we should have had a solo Batman movie to introduce, be introduced to Ben Affleck's version of Batman. And that movie should have ended with a sequence that this one opens with of him seeing the Metropolis incident. And then that would have been the cliffhanger to lead into this one and made it a trilogy that way. That's just my thoughts on it. But other than that, I love the music. It's a great movie. Again, the more I watch it, the more I love it. Um, it's almost one of my top movies. It's probably my favorite superhero movie, I'd say. And I know that's probably going to piss a few people off, but for me it is. I can't quite give it a five because it does have some issues, but it's going to get another really strong four from me on this one. Well, good stuff, Redwell. Yeah. And that's a really good point, actually. And I did think that why wasn't there a solo Batman movie as well? It's like Superman's had his 10 minutes of fame or three hours of bloody fame he had. Um, <laughs> why doesn't Batman get it before they get thrown together? But we'll never know, I guess. Um, okay. So it's my turn, is it? Yeah, let's have it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this might come as a surprise, but I don't hate this film at all. Um, It's over three hours long, and it's a superhero film, so I should, but maybe two negatives make a positive, because I actually didn't mind it. Um, It's definitely too long, though, although we did watch the extended version, I guess. Um, So watching it in two parts helped, 
Um, the plot's a bit wonky, but they always are in these films, aren't they? These superhero films are never really the best plots in the world. Um, I enjoyed Ben Affleck, thought he was amazing. Um, Henry Cavill didn't remind me of Andy Murray, so that was all good. Um, supporting cast is, is good. I mean, he was good last week, to be fair. And I do have a little bit of a crush on Amy Adams as Lois Lane. I don't know why, just something about her. Um, not sure about Lex Luthor, as we've pretty much both said. He was just a bit of a Riddler cross with the Joker, and he was a bit probably the worst character in this film. Um, but yeah, quite cool that Wonder Woman made her appearance and she did some cool shit. So overall, bread roll, I'm going to give this three others because um, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, it was quite dark, as was last week's film, and it kind of took that up another notch, I thought. So yeah, three others for me. Um, I wouldn't rush to watch it again, but that's just because it's very long. And also because I rented it on Amazon Prime and only got it for 48 hours, so I can't watch it again. Um, but yeah, three others, mate. I thought it was all right. Bloody hell, so that's like an udder an hour. That's really good. I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> um, oh, spot on. I'm really glad to hear you say that. I'm, I'm glad like you liked it, obviously, because <laughs> I know we do obviously stitch each other up a bit, but we like to get some kind of entertainment from what we watch. Um, no, it's really cool. I'm glad, um, glad, glad you enjoyed it, really. One thing I will say is, particularly the extended cut, this movie is a 12A, but it's borderline to 15 in places, in my opinion. Like It is dark tonally and graphically on the um, screen as well. So I'm surprised this movie, as a director's cut, didn't actually get the 15 rating. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And also, we do actually get a proper F-bomb in this, don't we? Um, we get, I can't remember who says it, but rather than last week where he says effing, and he actually says effing in this one, someone does actually say that the, the fuck word. I mean, I'm allowed to say it. We've been saying it all throughout this podcast. So, um, yeah, I thought, I was like, well, actually, someone's actually said it in this film. I don't know if it's in the normal version, but it certainly was in this extended one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I couldn't tell you if it is in the uh, theatrical or not. Um, but, yeah, we definitely get the F-bomb in there. Um, so, yeah, three others from JT. I'm really impressed with that. I thought, you know, two would have been where we were going. I'm just glad it wasn't a one. But, no, I'm glad you enjoyed that one. And I was impressed that you, uh, when you texted the other day and said that you rented it and you watched it all in one night, granted in two parts, but you actually stuck with it and went through it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why I watched it all in one night, because I stopped it, watched an episode of Only Fools and Horses just to get my breath back, and then um was going to watch the rest of it the next day, and I thought, no, fuck it, I'm quite enjoying this, I'll watch the rest of it now. So yeah, yeah, not bad at all, bread roll. Ah, good times. Um, so that leads us on to next week, and we're going to leave the superhero thing um, alone for a bit, but one thing I was going to say to our listeners out there, JT and I have discussed that this is a trilogy, although a loose trilogy. There is the Justice League movie, which is four hours long. Um, so we're going to have to do it as a two-part special before, obviously, JT croaks it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if you'd like to hear us do the Justice League, um, let us know on Twitter at the Hyperbaric Goats, and we will look at arranging maybe doing that one down the line. But next week, we're coming to you with a classic, which is Robocop, I believe, is what we're doing, JT, is it? It is indeed. Yep, it popped up on Prime the other day. I got an email with latest things on Prime, and there it was. Um, it's not been on there before. It might have been in, gone. It's back anyway. Um, and it's a film I used to fucking love when it first came out. Definitely a film I shouldn't have been watching when it first came out. I haven't seen it for a long time, and I know it's going to look ropey in places, but I am looking forward to it, Redwell. Lovely. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it, actually. It's been a little while for me. Um, definitely a childhood classic, but like you, I probably shouldn't have been watching it. So, um, that's available on Prime now, so if anyone wants to watch it ahead of time before next week's episode, then by all means, please do. 
And just remember that if there's any movies you think we should take a look at, uh, let us know. Uh, recommend them to us again at the Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. And if you fancy it, if you recommend a movie and you want to join in one of our episodes, let us know. And we'll try and arrange for you to join us during a recording. And uh, you can uh, help us maybe sound professional or not professional. It's completely up to you. But we'd be happy to have you as a guest if there's a movie out there that you'd like us to review. So let us know. And from Bread Roll this week, I'm signing off. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. That should be upside down. We know better now, don't we? Devils don't come from the hell beneath us. No, they come from the sky. <laughs>